Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I want to look briefly at just a few of the clauses, a few of the phrases in this sentence. I want to make it particularly accessible for kids who are here with us this morning. So pay attention, listen up. I'll probably ask you guys some questions along the way, and I want you to kind of kind of uh, give, you know, participate and help us out. So that starts, here is a trustworthy saying. Kids especially. What does that mean? What, is, what does the word, what, what does Paul mean when he says that this is a trustworthy saying? What does the word trustworthy mean? You don't have to raise your hand. You can shout it out. Zeke, what, what's trustworthy mean? You can trust someone. If someone's trustworthy, then you can trust them. They are worthy of your trust. Is that Sound fair? We're all in agreement there. Trustworthy. Uh, the, the, the Greek word that he's using kind of has the connotation. It's uh, reliable. You can count on it, right? Um, you know, my, uh, you know, like a farmer has an old pickup truck that he's waiting for it to die. And every morning, it's like re- when it was really cold the last couple of days, you go out and maybe you think your car won't start, but it always, you know, this is a reliable, trustworthy thing. It just, it's always there. It always starts. It always works. That's what Paul is saying the Word of God is. It's trustworthy. The question for us is, do we believe that God's Word is trustworthy? Do we, do we believe that it's true? But maybe even better than that is, do we live as if the Word of God is true? Do we, do we trust it? Do we believe it? Do we, do we read it? Do we want to obey it? All right, it's, very, it's very easy to read through some parts of Scripture and just think, I like that part. So I'm going to, right, God is love. I'm going to read that and believe it, uh, right? You know, the fun stories like the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son, I'm going to read those and, and believe those. But then there's other parts that are, that are maybe harder to, you know, that says whoever wants to follow me has to, you know, take up his cross uh, daily and, 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 you know, to be my disciple or, you know, parts of Scripture that call us to forgive other people when they've hurt us. So if we really believe that God's Word is trustworthy, then we're going to read it, we're going to respond to it, we're going to submit to it instead of trying to stand in judgment over it and, and, you know, pick and choose. I want to believe this part, but not this part. God says that his word is trustworthy. And the question for us this morning is, do we believe God when he says that his word is trustworthy? Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now we've talked about this a little bit the last few weeks during the Advent series about uh, the word Christ, but the word Christ means Messiah. It literally means the anointed one from God who is going to come and fulfill all of God's promises. Now, uh, who knows any promises that God made to his people in the Old Testament? Anyone, anyone can, can anyone think of a promise that God made to his people sometime in the Old Testament? Uh, Emmy and Graham, what's a promise that God made to his people? Yeah, when God made a rainbow after the flood, right? And his promise was that I'm not again going to destroy the earth with water. And kind of baked into that promise is that there is redemption, there is new creation, right? There, there, is, there is newness and redemption coming that ultimately finds this realization in, in Jesus. Graham, what's a promise that God makes in the Old Testament?
Yeah. Yeah, God promises Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants. He was an old man. His wife was old, too old to have kids. And yet they miraculously had children. And so many children that it would eventually become a great nation. And from that nation would come Jesus, the Savior. So, so there's all of these promises. We're starting to see them stack up. Noah and Abraham. Zeke, what's another promise that we see in the Old Testament? Yeah, that God was going to bring his people to the promised land through the ministry of Moses and later Joshua. And, and this promised land is going to be filled with rest and safety and security. And God's people will dwell with him under his rule. All of which are things that find their ultimate realization in Jesus. And so when, when Paul says that Jesus is the Christ, what he's saying is that Jesus, there's all of these promises, thousands and thousands of promises in the Old Testament that God is making to his people, and Jesus is the one man that all of those promises come to and kind of land on and find their fulfillment in. He's the one that we are waiting for, Jesus Christ. So, so here's a trustworthy saying, deserves full acceptance, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world. So we celebrate at Christmas as when Christ Jesus came into the world. So again, kids, before Jesus was born as a little tiny baby in Bethlehem, which is what we celebrate on Christmas, where was he? Where was Jesus before all of that? Colin, where was Jesus before he was born a little baby in Bethlehem? He was in heaven with God. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is God. And so the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So for all time, ever since, you know, farther back than you can remember, and then way farther back than that, from eternity past, Jesus Christ that was dwelling in heaven with his Father, with the Spirit, in the community of the Trinity, and on Christmas Day... Right? We celebrate that Jesus came into the world, that he left his, his throne in heaven and he came into the world. Luke 19 says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus was in heaven, left his throne. He was born to a virgin mother. He, he you know, grew up, lived an entire life as a human person, previously in heaven, now in earth. And then this, the rest of this verse tells us why Jesus came to have from heaven to earth. A trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Right? Which I just mentioned, Luke 19, right? Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So here's the reason why Jesus left his throne in heaven, why Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the fulfillment of God's promises left his throne to come to earth. It was so that he could save sinners. Quick recap of the story of the Bible. We've kind of covered some of it already, but it's worth mentioning. God is the sovereign king. He lives in heaven. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't want anything. And yet he decides to create the world and he decides to create humanity that lives in the world and to rule over it. And, and humanity promptly takes the calling, the mandate from God. Kids, what, when God created humanity, what did he uh, ask them to do? What did he call them to do? What was humanity's job in the world? Luke? When God created Adam and Eve, what did he want them to do?
Yeah, to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. So God gives this mandate to humanity, not just Adam and Eve, but to all of us, right? All of humanity's job from God is to, is to live with God and glorify God and walk with God and to, and to fill the earth with the glory of God. Take God's glory and kind of fill the earth with it. Humanity promptly rejects that calling in something that's called sin. Now, the word sin literally uh, means, like the, the Greek word that we get the word sin from, it means to miss the mark, right? It's like, it's a term that they would use like in an archery contest where you would, you would aim, your, aim your arrow at a target, shoot it, and if you would miss the bullseye, then that, then that was a sin. You would, you would miss the mark. But I would submit to you that that maybe doesn't capture the full, like, depth of, of the meaning of how the Bible talks about sin, right? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is God calls us to live this way, and we have lived another way. We've missed the mark of what God called us to live. But maybe a better way to understand sin in the context of Scripture is not just that you're aiming your arrow at a target, and you shoot, and you miss a little bit to the, to the left, Maybe the Bible's picture of sin is more... Who's, who here is... No, this isn't for kids. Uh, who's seen the movie Gladiator? If you're, you have to wait till you're older if you are a kid and have seen it, right? You know the part where it's... So Gladiator's fighting in an arena, and, he's, and then at the end of the fight, he's real mad, and what does he... He turns and he throws his sword, right? Throws a sword at... And are you not entertained? <laughs> is this not why you are here? So I think sin maybe looks less like I'm here aiming at the target and I shoot and I miss a little bit to the right and it looks more like I'm aiming at the target and I just turn around and aim right at the king and shoot at him. It's an act of defiance. It's an act of hostility. It's an act of aggression. Uh, sin is, is trying to... Uh, it's attempted murder. It's trying to kill God and to sit on God's throne instead of him. It's not just... Uh, Right? Sinners are not just well-intentioned people who have made a slight mistake. Sinners are not uh, people who are slightly imperfect. Sinners are rebels and insurrectionists who hate God and hate God's authority over their life. And so when Paul says Jesus came into the world to save sinners, he's not saying that he came to save people who are pretty good but missed the, the standard a little bit. He's saying he came to save people who are actively rebelling against God and they don't like God. But that's only half of the equation, right? Uh, sinners rebelling against God, sinners um, having enmity against God is half of it. The other half is that God is rightly and justly angry at sinners. Kids, has, there, has anyone ever done something that hurt your feelings or done something that made you upset and you, were, and you were angry at them? I think that's probably happened to all of us. It's happened to, to me. Now, we are, we are creatures. We are people. We're not perfect. And so when we get angry at other people, it's not always right. It's not always good. When God gets angry at someone, it's right and, and good because God is, is perfect. And so the anger that we feel when someone hurts us, uh, God feels uh, anger against people that sin 
uh, against him. There, there is, there's a punishment that has to be paid for their sin and rebellion and aggression against God. And so when Jesus came to save sinners, he had to do two things. He had to, uh, the sinners that were angry at God, he had to reconcile them to God. And God who had anger and punishment and wrath for sinners, God had, to, Jesus had to satisfy and take care of that punishment that God had for sin. And so that's what Jesus does when he comes into the world to save sinners. Jesus comes and he dies on the cross for sinners, takes their punishment in their place, satisfies the punishment that they have so that God can accept sinners and so that sinners can be welcomed into the presence of God. That all happens because of Jesus' birth. We call it the incarnation. And it happens because of Jesus' death. We call it the atonement. So a trustworthy saying, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now we skipped over one part that we're going to end with, which is here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. What does it mean? What does that mean? What is full acceptance? What does it mean to accept something? If I, if you're if your parents or someone wants to give you a present on Christmas morning, what does it mean to accept it? It's a weird question. Lucy, what do you do when, you, when your parents give you a present? How do you accept it? You take it. You say thank you. You open it up, right? And then now the present, that they, when they gave it to you, that present wasn't yours yet. It was sitting under the tree. It had been given to you, but you hadn't accepted it yet. You hadn't received it yet. And in order to accept it, you've got to take the, you know, wrapping off, and, and, then you, and now you have it. And you're, if, someone, if, you're, if you're hungry, if you're starving to death, or if you're hungry, and, and someone makes a big meal and puts it on the table, well, you're, you're still going to be hungry unless you eat it. Right? You know, if, if you're, this is for more for parents, but if, you're, if you have no money, and, and if you're broke or poor or in debt, and someone writes you a huge check, it's, you know, it's, it's not yours until you receive it. You sign it in endorse whatever deposit it cash it whatever you do with checks i don't even know i haven't used a check since i was 12 but so uh, a trustworthy saying that jesus came into the world to save sinners is something that we have to accept we have to personally just like when someone makes a meal for you you have to personally apply it and appropriate it you'll be hungry until you eat it and once you eat it you're full right the truth that jesus christ came into the world to save sinners only does any of us any good if we accept it if we take it and make it our own right and here's how you accept the truth about jesus here's how you accept that which deserves full acceptance Okay? The, the, by, by trusting in, in Jesus. Now, the natural, the natural state of, of humanity, the natural state of a person, of a sinner, is that they, uh, we, talk, we talked about it earlier, right? They, they are rebelling against God, and they're trusting in themselves, right? The natural state of a person before they believe in Jesus is that they've rebelled against God, rebelled against God's authority in their life, and they're trusting in themselves, trusting in, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm accomplished enough. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. The way that you accept the gospel, the way that you accept that which deserves full acceptance is to flip, is to do the exact opposite. Instead of rebelling against God and trusting in myself, you rebel against yourself and you trust in God. You trust in 
Jesus. Rebelling against yourself means that you turn away from your sin. You turn away from your selfishness. You turn away from the things that maybe you are naturally inclined to do. I was running away from God and running toward my sin, but turning from sin means I turn around and instead of running toward sin and away from God, I'll run toward God and away from my sin. So you turn from your sin and then you trust in Jesus which means that no longer am I going to look at my own life and my own accomplishments and I'm going to, you know, rest on that and stand on that, but I'm going to stand on, right? Right now, all of you are sitting in a chair. Who's holding up your weight? Are you holding up your weight with your own two feet and your own, I am, right? Are you? You're sitting in a chair. If someone yanked that chair out from under you, you'd fall and bump your bottom on the ground, right? So, so the, when, you sit, when you're sitting on a chair, you're resting on a chair, the chair is holding up your weight, right? You are sitting there because the chair is holding you. You're not, you're not holding your own weight. The chair is holding your weight. When you trust in Jesus, it means that we rest on him and we put our weight on him. Jesus is the one who's holding us instead of us standing up ourselves and holding ourselves up. So the way that we accept the gospel, the way that we fully accept that which deserves full acceptance is that we turn from our sin, turn from our selfishness, and instead trust in Jesus and put the, the weight of our salvation on him. That's how, we, that's how we trust in Christ and accept the gospel. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the miracle of Christmas, the miracle of the incarnation. We thank you that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to live among us, to to live for us and die for us so that we can be reconciled to God. Lord, that is such remarkable news. And we pray this Christmas that we could remember it and marvel at it and celebrate it together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.